Okay, so I guess we, we will understand that the uh, nature of what we experience is relational. It's, it's always a coming together of nama-rupa factors, dependent factors co-arising to give this parent reality. And that, uh, that's the kind of basis, the Buddhist basis is of a rather ne- nebulous and um, amorphic experience that's very much dependent on uh, what we put into it. That's, uh, so in fact the nature of the relationships within this existence very much determine what manifests. This is the principle of Itapachiyata, uh, codependent rising, karma, dependent origination. Yeah. And something you begin to learn as you meditate and you recognize if you meditate with an impatient mind you get this, if you meditate with a greedy mind, you get this, if you meditate with a goal-driven mind, you get this, if you meditate, so you begin to recognize it's not the object that counts, really, the object is just something you point at, but really the most important thing is, is your relationship to your body, your breathing, your mind states, and so on, that's a kind of learning process that we undertake. <clears throat> and yet, <laughs> most people tend to translate that experience into myself and the other. And of course, the, that model begins to begin my mind, or me and my mind, you know, or me and my problem. You know. And the relationship between those two is always one that's tense, struggling, conflictual. You know. So we Although we conceptually understand that our experience is relational, when it comes into practice, many people have very dysfunctional or afflictive relational strategies. I control it, push it away, look somewhere else, or give up. And uh, this seems to mean what, what occurs is the sense eventually of an isolated self, an isolated entity, trying to deal with their mind. And then not being able to deal with it because their relationship is, is wrong. You know, there's not enough loving acceptance, there's not enough uh, uh, spaciousness or openness. And um, quite a lot of meditation instructions Certainly when I first started, we were very much upon getting crystal clear definition of the object. Maintain unwavering, moment by moment, crystal clear definition of the object. Subject, not there. Just object. Deal with the object. Subject, no self, not there. Forget about it. Just deal with the object. And uh, the kind of mindset that that sets up is of the of a continual uh, lack of heart. One begins to use mind or chitta as this, <coughs> which very much mirrors the visual way of, of relating to experience. That is, its object definition, which is great for clarity, for crystal clarity, but useless. For relationship yeah. because it's got no ability to receive anything it just 
points and directs. <clears throat> and so particularly when we, when we come to group retreats and you've got maybe 50 people doing that, yeah, I'm trying to do that, and they're sitting with 49 other people, the 49 other people are essentially getting in the way of my practice. <laughs> they're noisy, they're walking too slow, they're in front of me, you know, I don't like the, I don't like the way she looks, she's bothering me, or some other crazy thing starts happening. Yeah, that is somehow not part of practice. Practice is getting onto my object and other people are just distractions. Um, and then occasionally it's a burst of, now let's do loving kindness. <laughs> right. Loving kindness, loving kindness, loving kindness. Okay, that's enough of that. Let's get back to this. Yeah? So, that kind of process. And you, you begin to recognize that in our societies, when it's in Western society particularly, most of the problem is relationship. That is, there's abuse, quite common, childhood abuse, sexual abuse, relation abuse, and even more uh, overall, there's just a lack of relationship. That is, people are just things you walk past as you go somewhere else. Yeah. Or they're objects on a screen. Most of the people that you relate to are actually images on a screen. They become the dominant figures. You see them on television. So you don't actually relate to them, you just... Yeah. And so you... As society increasingly becomes structured around tele-reality, telecommunication, television, telephone, nobody's there. There's no relationship. Uh, so the isolated self becomes ever more isolated and tries to meditate to get their peace and quiet in themselves. And it's got a certain... People want calm, but this kind of process leads more, in my mind, leads more to <coughs> dysfunction and dissociation. Basically, the meditator lives here, somewhere in there, behind the eyes, and witnesses the world from there, and defines it. <coughs> When you uh, begin to, as you probably do, study the suttas, you, you recognize this particular model of meditation isn't there. It's not a one-pointed uh, focus on an object. It begins with generosity, it begins with morality, it begins with loving-kindness. It begins with establishing a healthy relationship to other people and to one's own heart. And you proceed from there to clear away greed, hatred, delusion in terms of how you act or react or interact with yourself or with others. And uh, this is, kind of, is very difficult to emulate 
in a meditation retreat. <clears throat> but without it, what I notice is that many of the fundamental problems that people are experiencing, which are essentially a lack of loving acceptance, a lack of ease with other people, a tendency to continue to perform, to get someone to become something, are not addressed in the standard model. In fact, uh, the standard model often unconsciously encourages those. The isolation, uh, the uh, dependence upon purely one's own intellect or one's ability to focus, and also the sense of um, lack of receptivity. <clears throat> so, we begin to recognize the word for translation of chitta, which is that which can be purified and realize liberation, is probably as best translated as heart, mind. I think words are interchangeable, but come to heart and you realize heart doesn't do that, it does that. And that's a very different focus. It's extreme, it's just as sensitive because the finger doesn't receive, but the hand, the palm does. And it can be just as accurate in its own way. So starting to use the, the focus much more as a receptive sense of what is this doing to me? How is this affecting me? Who am I when I'm with these people? How am I when I'm with this one? How am I when there's no one? In other words, beginning to understand the mutable nature of the relative self coming out of relationship, rather than the self being an entity that needs to attain concentration in order to be released. To begin to actually use relationship as the focus, as that which we begin to focus on in order to release the sense of there being an immutable self, because it's always relational always relational. <clears throat> the other... How do you do this without talking? Yeah. So particularly as we begin to realize that a lot of our problems have arisen because of confused relationship with other people or being seen by other people in a you know, confused or abusive or disrespectful way. How we are seen by others, how others relate to us, and how we experience others in terms of our comparisons, our conceits, our, whether we're desirable or undesirable, accepted or not accepted. All these 
very substantial issues, yeah. how do you work them out on your own? <laughs> how do you work out being accepted on your own? Because by and large, whenever you attend, one attends to oneself, what occurs is the perspective of the isolated entity witnesses their dysfunction, witnesses their opinions about themselves, witnesses their aloneness, witnesses their need. The personality witnesses the problem of the personality and doesn't know what to do about it. So, well, let's get back to looking at that instead. <laughs> so, <clears throat> we take something like Triple Gem Sangha community. Why is that a gem? Why is Kalyanamita the whole of the holy life? Or hot? Yeah. Why is that considered so basic, so fundamental? Yeah. To have people and to be in a situation where you have a relationship that is trusting accepting, truthful, not asking, not trying to make something out of you, not judging you, but able to mirror the fundamental model, Sangha, and even more specifically, the teacher with the disciple, very close. Standard, the, the word for the disciple in the Pali text is the one who shares the living space with you. That's close. The one who shares the same dwelling as you. They get up before you, they prepare water for you, you talk to them, you do things together, you interact. That's the fundamental place in which learning can occur. Because the learning of the heart is never through a book. What we've learned most profoundly is from other people. And often what we've learned from other people are very confused messages. Yeah. Messages about what we should be. Messages about what models we're supposed to be, but no, not the message of, I'm with you, you know, how are you? So trying to emulate this, well, in some sense, <coughs> and uh, certainly in monasteries there's a lot of interaction. I cannot say that <laughs> monasteries are finding these ideal relational experiences. <laughs> but the nature of the dysfunction becomes more apparent anyway. <laughs> <laughs> when you do anything about it or not, it's kind of... 
become very obvious, you know, the projections and the, uh, the withdrawal, the withdrawal from contact and, uh, and the uh, comparisons and all that projecting stuff goes on. But uh, a model whereby we begin to learn from each other, not from our, even from our personalities talking or adjusting each other, but something far more basically human than our personalities, much less messed up and, and socialized than our personalities. Now, personalities are really a series of structures that arise through contact in the social domain. That's how we get a personality. But prior to that, prior to that, we have a simple thing, sentiency. I sense a human being feels pain, likes pleasure, uh, uncertainty, wants to be loved, is able to experience love, rejecting it. That would be helpful. What his personality is, secondary. And interestingly enough, what I've been um, practicing with is using this very body as a sense organ. Just using the somatic intelligence of the body, which immediately tells me when I draw near to a close to another human being, I feel a certain thing what's happening. And I want to know. And I want to know if that's okay. And if it is okay, I feel a sense of happiness. Yeah. And in that sense of forming a somatic bond with another person, one can begin to align one's relational energies to something that's far more fundamental and far healthier than the personality's relationships. So more recently, um, I've been um, doing this together, some of us were doing this together about 12 years, Somatic, somatic presence relationships work. Often very confusing because it's not always that clear. You can't always get the words in your head as to what's happening. But as I try to present this model, whatever is said, which is often minimal, what occurs at the end of it is that everybody feels accepted, somehow belonging, I mean these are the words they come up with, belonging, accepted, trusted, relaxed, at ease. Just because for one time they didn't have to come up with something smart, polite, clear, interesting, <laughs> rapt, wonderful, profound, they just say how it is, and the other person goes, mm-hmm. and how is that? You're just encouraging to track relational energies as they occur in the body prior to the personality. And the change, although 
yeah, well, my practice like that in small groups. Somebody, the last session I was doing with someone, they said, yeah, they were going out for a walk and they realised they'd made a mistake. And normally when they realise a mistake, they've made a mistake or they think they've made a mistake, what occurs is this intense self-criticism, guilt and blame. And she said this time, when she realised she thought she made a mistake, something in her said, oh, don't worry about that, sweetheart, that's okay. In other words, she began to relate to herself as a loving human being, rather than as an object that she should be. She'd begun to relate to herself in a compassionate way, without even using words like compassion, but just natural language, the nat- natural, natural relation language. Of just, that's okay. Whereas before, she'd been judging herself up here, according to ideas of what she should be or could be, or basically recycling the messages that her personality had been indoctrinated into through what we call education, which is, you should be better, you should be perfect, mistakes are wrong, it's a failure, and the, the sense of recrimination that occurs through that. So, when I've said I, I do, I've been interested in relational things, practices, this may sound kind of strange in a way, because here I am, a kind of recluse. <coughs> and it's not, I don't see this as forming, you know, whatever this word means. Sometimes people think, oh, it's immediately sex. <laughs> and that's how bad it's got. <laughs> you know, the, so the only way we can have a relationship with someone is sexual. That's how bad it's got in our society. Yeah. <coughs> Any kind of quality of love can only occur if there's physical contact and so forth. It's impossible outside it, unless it's a dog. <laughs> That's why people get dogs, of course. <laughs> but uh, essentially, I don't see. I don't do don't do physical sexual relationships. Yeah. Uh, which are another topic altogether. But much more, I'm much more attuned to how we, I can learn and I can sense respectfully as a sentient being other people's actual presence as they are rather than as projections of my mind, rather than as what I judge them to be or how I measure them. Of me, this is a great step. And, yeah. So a lot of this can actually come down to practicing on one's own, but having reset the relational model to act to oneself with a sense of the same respect, dig- love and dignity and compassion that one would offer to a fellow being. So, um, that's my talk.
Uh, I do have models that, that I've learned how to practice that. But I thought I'd just put that there for your reflection and contemplation. Is that, is that enough? Well, I went over three minutes, but. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for your attention. Thank you. Thank you.